Welcome back to Europe Now. I'm in Budapest, the Hungarian capital. And this country has been run by a strong man for the last 12 years. Prime Minister Viktor Orban sees himself as the defender of European civilization and values. But Brussels doesn't see things the same way. And for years, the two sides have been at loggerheads over a whole host of issues, from migrants to Russia and Ukraine to the rule of law and energy independence. In December, the EU agreed to freeze a substantial part of its cohesion funding to Hungary. It approved the national recovery plan, but won't actually pay the money until Hungary makes progress in its anti-corruption reforms. Budapest came forward with a package of remedial measures, but some campaigners and civil society groups say that these pledges lack real bite. Our reporter Luke Brown takes a closer look. Budapest's Metro 3, transporting half a million passengers each day, it's the Hungarian capital's busiest line. Thanks to 418 million euros of EU funds since 2016, it's been getting a facelift. Improved wheelchair access, new lifts, even Star Wars-inspired decor, the EU's value for ordinary Hungarians. But EU funds are also a source of potential corruption. Akos Hadhazi is an independent MP and campaigns against graft. He's brought us to Feldschut, the birthplace of Hungary's prime minister and the beneficiary of multiple EU-funded projects such as this artificial lake and this tourist train that only serves two stations and only at weekends. This is the best-known example, this little train. It's an investment of two million euros, which in and of itself is reasonable. But it's a perfect example that shows an investment using European money that's completely useless. And what's more, it was all personally requested by Viktor Orban. A few kilometres away is this grand manor once owned by the Austrian Archduke Joseph that now belongs to Orban's father. Hadhazi says the Prime Minister's family has grown rich thanks to state contracts. Opacity over public procurement lies at the heart of the EU's accusations of corruption in Hungary. This is where it all comes together when it comes to corrupt public tenders. Orbán's friends received money from the state and from European funds. Afterwards, their construction companies buy building materials from Orbán's father. Hadhazi wants Hungary to join the European Public Prosecutor's Office, allowing the EU power to investigate fraud. But for the Hungarian government, that's out of the question. Instead, Budapest proposed 17 corrective measures, including a new integrity authority. But some say it's toothless. K-Monitor has compiled a database of 50,000 cases of suspected graft. They say the integrity authority won't have any independent power to act. It still relies on existing institutions for its investigations and cannot turn to court itself to indict in a case, but relies on the prosecution service that has been criticised uh, many, many times for not investigating properly high-level corruption cases. The Integrity Authority declined to provide France 24 an interview before broadcast. Another of the measures is an anti-corruption task force, which will include independent NGOs. Transparency International will take part. For over a decade, former government lawyer Miklos Ligeti has fought to bring corruption cases to court. He says the EU's tough talk has been too long coming. The only language the Hungarian government speaks is money. So as long as this language is spoken, then the Hungarian government will be understanding. We have been waiting for this for 10 years. We have been urging and instigating the Commission to take action. So if uh, the Commission lets itself 
be driven by Mr. Orban's uh, uh, extorting policies and the peacock dance it shows, then uh, it's just a missed opportunity and then we will have no hope for a stronger anti-corruption uh, package uh, being implemented in Hungary. After weeks at loggerheads, Budapest and Brussels found a compromise in December. Hungary's recovery plan got the green light, but 55% of its cohesion funds remain frozen. Orban's government required to enact 27 reform milestones over two years to unblock the rest. I'm on my way to the Ministry of Regional Development, which plays an important role in the negotiations between the Hungarian government and Brussels on securing EU funds. It also decides how that money from the EU is actually spent inside the country. So, Minister, the uh, European Anti-Fraud Office, OLAF, has noted irregularities in 4% of EU funds in the 2015 to 2019 period. That's actually the worst rate of the 27 EU member states. Uh, why do you think that is? We have to work on that, definitely. And uh, that's why we've made uh, commitments towards the European Commission to, to make uh, the Hungarian public procurement procedures and all market activities more transparent and, and clearer. And when it comes to procurement, you do have a problem, don't you? Because there are a lot of single bidders, so there's a problem of competition. There aren't enough companies responding to a tender. Why is that happening? You can see that while the EU average is 15%, I mean the single bidders procedures, is 15%, in, in the Hungarian case it's 16%, so it's, it's higher, but it's not too much higher. Uh, while the uh, projects funded by the national uh, budget, uh, the disproportion was 35%, so that was the really high. And we've made uh, the commitment that we will decrease it uh, in five years to the EU's average. So we have an action plan now. Uh, we are making market research. We've strengthened the, the legal framework and we set up a brand new authority. It's called Integrity Authority, which will uh, overview market activities in the public procurement procedures. But Minister, uh, some non-governmental organizations are saying that they've effectively been excluded from this integrity authority. What's your reaction to that? They were consulted. We've had consultations with, for instance, the Transparency International, but uh, they have some criticisms about the powers of the integrity authority. But, but the, the, the status itself and the jurisdiction of the integrity authority is a matter of, uh, of, uh, of compromise between the European Commission and the Hungarian government. So uh, I hope that we can, we can prove in the future that this integrity authority is a, is a fully independent and, uh, and serious uh, institution. On a practical point, so um, the 2021 to 27 package and the recovery plan, the post-pandemic plan, uh, where, where, do the, where does that money need to be invested given the economic outlook in, in Hungary, which is obviously very mixed with high inflation and I think uh, growth next year is forecast at only 1%. So uh, how could these EU funds mitigate some of those economic effects? Well, we, just like other member states, uh, would like to use EU funds for, uh, for future projects and for funding the future. There are two broad avenues opposed by the European Commission for development and that's the green transition and digital transition. Of course we would like to 
to, to fund projects in, in those uh, main directions. For instance, uh, we badly need uh, uh, funds for, for reorient the Hungarian energy system. We are highly exposed to Russian energy supplies. 80% of uh, the Hungarian energy system comes from, uh, from Russia and is basically gas. We would like to, uh, to make the Hungarian energy system more diversified and, uh, and reoriented towards the West. We'll have to end it there. Thank you so much for being our guest on uh, Europe Now, Minister Tibor Navracic. A good example of the green transition is Budapest's biggest sewage treatment plant. In 2010, it upgraded to cleaner methods thanks to 249 million euros in EU funds. Uh, we are here in the sewage system of the central Budapest. Um, of, um, of our left side, we have uh, the biological treatment. Um, of the right side, uh, we have uh, the separation of uh, sludge and water. The water goes to uh, the Danube and the sludge will uh, treated in the sludge uh, preparation uh, system. But it turns out the political jostling over EU funds for such projects is very local. Hello, I'm Kota Tutte. I'm Deputy Mayor of Budapest. I'm responsible here for many things. Waste, water, circular economy, grey infrastructure, blue infrastructure and climate change adaptation and mitigation. Um, you know, of course, that the European Commission proposed in September withholding some of the EU funding for Hungary. Um, how do you feel about uh, all of this? Well, I feel really sad, like as Deputy Mayor of Budapest, because we've been using our common money, the taxpayers' money in the European Union, in line with European strategies for climate change mitigation, adaptation, for biodiversity, for sustaining our great public transport system. Uh, we have a lot of plans for this, and Hungarians want this money. On the other hand... So, sorry, is the, is the Hungarian government essentially preventing you from reaching your full potential with the EU funds? Um, normally, a city like Budapest, with uh, economic power in Budapest, normally we, we wouldn't need cohesion money. Because we are a developed region, we produce 38% of the GDP in Hungary. But what happens, and this reflects on the democracy parties, we started with a very, very strong local authority level. And local authorities are important pillars of democracy. We don't talk about this. But in the past 10 years, there was a very strong and has been going on a very strong centralization. What does it mean? That the government is taking away not just the tax money from the local level, but all the decisions. Take away the hospitals, took away the schools, took away um, waste management, and now there's a centralization, I think this is why it's good we're here, of the, of the water treatment and uh, water pro providing. So why I think that demo democracy's important reserve and pillar is the local level, yeah. And this level is under attack now. If this, these powers have been taken away from the local level, doesn't that make it even more important to receive EU funding, for example, under the Recovery and Resilience Programme? Well, yes, this is why for us, Budapest, a Recovery and Resiliency Programme is the best programme. It was uh, really um, put together for big cities 
because it doesn't have the restrictions like the cohesion fund, so that uh, the highly developed cities cannot get it. So this is why we put together a lot of projects, Budapest, we handed it to the Hungarian government, but the government didn't include our projects. So it is the people of the citizens of Budapest and the citizens of other big cities who really feel that they are losing their local power, who can change this. I don't believe that the European pressure works for Viktor Orban or works uh, for the Hungarians uh, on the long run. So this is a battle we have to we have to win here. We have elections. This is how we choose our leaders. So it's only elections where you can change this uh, this course. I don't believe in outside pressure. Thank you so much, Katatuso, uh, Deputy Mayor of Budapest. Well, it's a first. Earlier this summer, a group representing magistrates tried to reverse an EU decision that had approved EU funding for Poland. The magistrates in question cited grave violations of the rule of law in Poland. To explore the legal and political ramifications, we have this report for you from our correspondent, Alix Le Bourdon. A tense atmosphere at this employment tribunal in Belgium. This is a difficult situation to live with. A handicapped person is seeking increased compensation from their former workplace. As always, the judge listens carefully to both parties before applying the law. Is there anything you'd like to respond to? Marie Messian says she's happy to be practicing her profession here rather than in Poland. Her magistrates' association recently lodged an appeal against the decision to unblock EU recovery funds for Poland, despite serious concerns over Warsaw's commitment to the rule of law. This was a highly political decision because it came from the European Council, the Assembly of Member States. As far as we're concerned, it goes against prior rulings by the Court of Justice. They said that the independence of the judiciary in Poland was under such serious threat that it violated the fundamental principles of the European Union. Three and a half years ago, this Belgian judge took part in a demonstration in Warsaw in support of her Polish colleagues. In the spotlight then, the disciplinary chamber of the country's Supreme Court. A danger to judicial independence, according to the protesters. Since then, the body has been dissolved, allowing the European Commission to release funds under the EU's post-COVID recovery plan. But for these magistrates, the battle continues. Nice to meet you, Jan Sikora, a judge from Poland, a okay. Polish judge. Nice They're visiting the main court in Brussels. Say I was uh, suspended for 30 days uh, in February because of uh, delivering a uh, decision which based on uh, European law. For them, the reform of the disciplinary chamber was purely cosmetic. In fact, they only renamed the chamber and still uh, there is a problem with uh, uh, compatibility of uh, this chamber with European law. In reality, they simply replaced the plaque that said disciplinary chamber with one saying chamber of professional responsibility. They means the Conservative Law and Justice Party in power in Poland. This MEP is a member and defends the government's actions. Do we think the judges are above law or they should apply law? And if they, uh, sometimes it happens, they are also human beings. If they violate the law, there should be some rules to control their behavior. 
rule of law questions aside, this specialist believes the geopolitical context played a part in EU countries' decision to release the funds. There's a war in Ukraine, and we know Poland is very active regarding that. We can't rule out that this played a part. Critics say turning a blind eye to the situation in Poland risks undermining the EU's entire legal structure. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Europe Now. We'll be back in a few weeks from another EU member state looking at levelling up policies and putting them into their broader political context. If you want to catch up with this show, you can just go to our website, france24.com, and click or tap on Talk Shows Europe Now. That's all from me in Budapest. Thanks for joining me, and goodbye.